This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hello, welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Ashley Carmen, hello, and Caitlin Tiffany, that's me, examine the tiny decisions technology forces us to make. Forces us. We have no choice in the matter. Actually, we do. Yep. That's the whole point of the show, people. You do have a choice, but you're forced to make a decision. We do believe in human will on mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, today we're talking about Spotify, specifically the little sidebar in the desktop version of the app that you can only see if the window is expanded to almost your entire screen. The sidebar that shows what your friends are listening to. We're talking about that. Why do you look at it? What is compelling about it? Why do, do you, you love it? Do you hate it? Well, okay, I just want to say right from the onset, this feels to me like a big Caitlin episode. To me, like this question relates back to the Venmo episode where we were talking about how that's like a very authentic social feed because people don't really think of it as a social feed. They're just like, I'm doing my business. I'm giving over my money for this pizza, this rent, this Mm -hmm. glass of wine. So it's like a very authentic record of what they're doing. I see Spotify as like similar. It's an authentic, real-time record of what my friends are doing. I think a key a key element of the feed is that it has that little speaker logo, which is like stagnant if it if it's if they've stopped listening to something and it's like pulsing if they're currently listening to it. So it's like literally, I know what's going into your ear canals right now. There's some people in my life that I care about enough where that's, like, nice for me to know. So when I was in college, I loved Last.fm. For those of you who do not know what Last.fm is, it is still around, but it was a place where you got to do scrabbles, which were basically, like, records of what songs you listened to. So your friends could see what you had scrabbled. And then there was a little wall, kind of like a Facebook wall, where they could write on your wall and be like, oh, my God, you listen to Radiohead. I like Radiohead. I see you, girl. Or, in my case, I actually made friends through Last.fm. It was a big deal. We loved Last.fm in college. I don't know if this is a function of age or if it's, I don't know, but I just don't care anymore. Like, I don't look at what my friends listen to on Spotify. My Spotify name, this is not at all a dare for any of you to find it because, please, God, I'll be so embarrassed. But my Spotify name is, like, very unrecognizable. It's a thing. A Do username. I follow you? No. Like, <gasps> I don't. I'm friends with, I think, two people on Spotify who maybe just at the time forced the issue. But I I'm going to force the issue I don't, later. <laughs> I have the choice not to give you my username. <laughs> all right. Well. So people, for the most part, don't know what I'm listening to. I don't check up on what they're listening to. And I don't know what happened to me, guys. Why do you like to know what your friends are listening to? Like, can you express it? And like, well, what do you feel knowing that information? Well, first of all, like I have friends who taste the music I really trust. So seeing what they're listening to, I'll be like, maybe I'll listen to that later. I like to kind of like rudely snort at what people are listening to. If I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I can't believe she's listening to that again. Like, you don't need to listen to that Lady Gaga album every day. <laughs> or do um, you? And also, I mean, of course, like, I, I mean, I know that we can't, we can't do this every time. You cannot 
make me do this every time, but it's a valuable stalking tool. If you have a crush in the modern age, it will involve obsession with their digital traces. And like, I'm with you. I mean, I remember growing up, if someone had an iPod or something, it was like a personality test. You would hand over your iPod, they would look through your songs and be like, okay, I know what type of person you are. I guess... I just feel like that personality test has changed over time because when we were growing up, it was a lot harder to either to to get music. You had to buy it, mm-hmm. maybe in some cases illegally download it. Get your friends to burn you a CD. Yes, burn a CD, record from your microphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you did some stuff to get your music. And right. there weren't algorithms to give you these playlists. Like I, And I also couldn't just access music. So for me, it was like seeing what someone else went through the trouble to uh, find and download and listen to was like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. this is really you. This is you. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, oh, well, I don't know where you found that. Maybe an algorithm told you to listen to that. Or maybe you just literally clicked on it because it was suggested. I don't know. That's true. But at the same time, like all the things that you're describing have like such a physical element to them that like inherently like brings people together, right? Like if your options for hearing music are Record store, radio, concert, my friend burns it onto a CD. Like somebody shows me how to torrent. Those are all social things that lend a social quality to music. Always remember the person who taught you how to torrent. (laughs) I like there are so few options to like engage with your friends around music in the modern age. The social feed on Spotify is like one of the only ones. They got rid of their messaging app. I don't think that tweeting links to songs on Twitter really ever has the impact people want it to have. Like you're never scrolling through your feed. Like I hope I get to open a completely separate app right now and like listen to someone's favorite Reba McIntyre song from 1989. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about the Spotify activity feed, but I think what we're really talking about here is just like the struggle to find some kind of way to make music social in the streaming age. Yeah. Like SoundCloud is the example that comes to mind for me. It was supposed to be the social media music platform, and it failed. It's still around, but they aren't making money, and I don't know what's happening with them. Last FM for me, was a huge influence, and there's again still around, but I have no idea what their situation is. It's no longer prolific like it once was, and many other companies have tried to do social music. So I feel like this episode is a little more like a business question of mm-hmm. we've established interest. You care. I maybe am old now, but you at least care and other people care about. And I cared once in my life. So why do we not have a streaming service or something, an app, I don't know, software that is really <laughs> addictive? Why, why does an addictive thing for music not exist yet? I don't know. Anyway, we don't need to keep yammering about our feelings. Yeah, I, I just wanted to put it out there that this is how I feel, but I am mm-hmm. very open to hearing other opinions on this. Yeah. And I recognize it was important to me at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. So I want to be, I want to care about this again. I miss that part of me. Yeah. We're going to find me today. So, Caitlin, who did you talk to about this? I talked to Jordan McMahon, who is a writer at the New York Times Wirecutter. I used to message people like, hey, this song reminded me of you. Or, you know, we were talking about this band the other day. Like, you'll really dig that. He basically said that he uses Spotify's activity feed to kind of check in on what his friends are listening to to make sure 
that they are listening to the things he recommends. I had um, recommended this song to my friend and she had just kind of like brushed it off. And then I think a week later I was on my computer on Spotify and I just saw that she was listening to it. And that was like super cool and validating where it's like, oh yeah, okay, cool. My friends are listening to me. Like they trust my taste in music. Will he feel hurt if they don't? Uh, I don't think he said he would feel hurt, but it's just like a nice little boost. Okay. And he also said, kind of similar to what I said, you know, know what's going on during someone's day. It's sort of charming, right? Because it's like, you know, you get a glimpse into somebody that you don't necessarily always get to see. Somebody's Twitter feed, you know, that doesn't really tell me that much about what you're doing today. But if I see that you're listening to, I don't know, I mean, if you're working through like a Sharon Von an album or something, mm-hmm. and like she's feeling a way. Mm-hmm. Or if you're like working through like the pink print, I'm like, she's feeling a way. Right. Like, you know, you know. Dude. I had a professor in undergrad and he's listening to Lil Xan right now, which is like just kind of a really weird thing to see, right? Yeah. It's That's like, a good mental check on your friends. Yeah, I think it's fun. Like 9 p.m. on a Saturday night, you can kind of glance at the bar, the sidebar and be like, this is who's getting ready to go out right now. <laughs> this is like, it's true. This, this is, is who's getting ready to stay in. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got Ty Dolla and we got Joni Mitchell. These are two different Saturday nights. We know nights. what's happening here. Or even if it's someone who, you know, I've never talked to them about music. So it's cool in that regard too. It's like, okay, so what is this person like? Yeah. One thing that he pointed out is that there's no friend feed on the mobile version. So you really can only have this like social experience on the desktop app. You have to go under view and it's just called the right sidebar, you know, which like mean anything. You know, most people, if they look at it, they're like, well, why would I turn on, uh, what does that do? You know? And so a lot of people probably don't even know it's there. Hope you own a laptop. Yeah. And there's no more messaging. I use that all the time and I miss it so much. I cannot believe they got rid of that. You can't like, like, comment, interact with the activity at all. So it's kind of, it's like kind of a passive way of engaging with somebody. It's not truly social. Yeah. Unless you make it it's social clearly not by a priority. Like, yeah. You have to make it social yourself by like kind of by screenshotting or just texting someone and being like, haha, staying in tonight, listening to the river. <laughs> like you have to, you have to do it yourself, the social element. And he was kind of like, I wish this was more robust. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I hope that happens for him. I mean, Spotify, we have plenty of free ideas, so reach out to us. I know you didn't want to be on the pod, but... But we're here. Mm-hmm. com is always open to you. <laughs> anyway, who did you talk to about this? So I talked to The Verge's luxury editor, as we call him here, but also a music man. He's connected in the music industry. I literally have no idea how or why, but Micah Singleton. So I had Spotify before it was legal to have Spotify in the United States. He knows everyone in the music industry. He's friends with Jay-Z, I think. Yeah, like I feel like sometimes he just hangs out with Drake. Industry people would love to have like a real social network based around music. They would like Spotify to do something more with the friend activity feed. He and I talked about how he sees his friends listening to certain songs and he doesn't use it to make sure they're like listening to his recommendations or something like he has no personal stake I don't think I like what Spotify is doing because I get to troll my friends you know if I see someone listening to the train I'll text them and be like what's going on here oh my god why won't they turn on private okay, listening so if they this know he's going to troll this is my thing is I listen to Britney Spears a lot I listen to Backstreet Boys all right. I like to live my youth. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point where I was too lazy to turn on this whole private thing. So I think that's why I didn't I didn't add friends, because people like Micah. Like if Casey Newton, one of our colleagues, is listening to something crazy, he will get a DM. I was like, I'm not trying to get trolled with screenshots where they're like, oh, I see you listen to Britney, which Britney's cool now. So yeah, I see no shame. If you hate Britney, Britney, like you shouldn't even be listening to this podcast, if I'm being honest. Are you talking like new Britney or old Britney? Old Britney's good. OK. So Micah also noted that he subscribes to a bunch of streaming services and he. He says Spotify has the best 
social streaming experience. Spotify is one of the few services that have been able to make music socially work. I think Facebook has tried with Spotify years ago. They tried, that failed. Twitter tried with Twitter music, that failed. Instagram tried. It's very hard to get music and social media to work together. And Spotify has been able to do it so far. Yeah, I would never leave Spotify because it's where all my friends are. And that's something we hear all the time about social platforms is like, you want to be with your friends, like obviously. So it would make sense to me that this is an important part of why you stay on the platform. I don't think Micah is necessarily... Micah's just subscribed to everything. I pay for Spotify, Apple Music, and Tidal. But he did point out that he thinks Spotify has it unlocked. It's still the best one. I have all my friends there. Apple Music has launched their little social friend activity feed, but it's not great. Well, anyway, so I guess we've heard the use cases for this feed, but I think my question now is what could Spotify be doing to make you care about it the way you cared about Last FM? Do we need a social music app? Yeah, because also we didn't talk about this at all, but like SoundCloud was so supposed to be a social mm-hmm. platform. With like reblogs and stuff. Yeah, and that didn't work out. Last but, FM was once huge. It's right. still around, but it's not the behemoth it once was. Right. It's kind of strange because you know like music is a very crucial part of most people's lives. Like when I did that Spotify wrapped thing, it told me that I had been listening to music for 16% of the last year. Right. That's crazy. I'm only awake for 65% of the year. Yeah. It's just interesting that, you know, we heard from people, yourself included, that care a lot about music and they care about what their friends are listening right. to for different reasons. Right. But yet, as the year, I cared about it at one point too, but as the years have gone on, the places we listen have changed and clearly the social function hasn't been enough to keep people on a single platform. Right. So we're kind of wondering, one, what could make these platforms hookable? What could make you hooked? Yeah. What could get you? And then also, why they keep failing? Like, are we missing something here? Like, why? Well, I think I know who we should talk to. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, knew you, I knew you would. <laughs> so a little while back, I wrote this piece about how I wanted to discover music organically this year, not through algorithms, just through, like, friends, people I trust, bloggers, the park, whatever. This is maybe the only piece I've ever written where I got lots and lots of emails about it, and they were all nice, <laughs> like not telling me to die <laughs> or like telling me that I don't respect Stephen King's artistic vision. But anyway, one of them, which I opened due to b- bizarre coincidence, was from this guy named Charlie Kaplan, who was the CEO of a social music app called Symbol, which you may or may not have heard of. It is essentially attempting to be like the Instagram of music, right? So instead of your grid being photos, your grid is songs. It's streaming service agnostic. Right. So you can share from Spotify and Apple Music and SoundCloud. And then like if somebody wants to play something on your grid, it will just play it from whichever streaming service they have. Cool. So So it's not like I need to only be in Spotify. Like I can listen to music that you like. Assuming right. it's on Spotify and Tidal and Apple Music. Right. Like if I have Apple Music and I post songs to my grid from Apple Music, you can listen to the same song that's cool. through Spotify. And that's important now because the market's so segmented. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think this app's like a fascinating idea. Unfortunately, the bad news about Symbol is that it is ending. <laughs> like shutting down? It is shutting down. Very sad for Charlie. He was the CEO. Now he's kind of figuring out what to do next, but he's going to come in and talk to us about why he was so passionate about this idea, why he thinks Symbol flubbed, and why he thinks other 
social features on music apps have loved and what he thinks they could do differently. We can all learn something from Charlie, I bet. I hope we can. (laughs) I hope so. Charlie has this hard real world experience. And you know what? We're ready for his wisdom. We'll be back with Charlie in just a sec. We're here with Charlie Kaplan, CEO of Symbol, which is a social music Instagram of music. You got it. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to explain it better than I did? No, that was actually perfect. Like, um, (laughs) yeah, that's how I do it in every meeting. So Symbol is is a music social network for iOS and Android devices, and we've been covered in the press. You know, we've been called Instagram for music. If you have the app, then you can see why. You know, you follow your friends or your favorite artists or, you know, record labels you like. And then your feed, much like an Instagram feed, turns into a constantly updating playlist of the songs that matter to the people who matter to you. And uh, there's some kind of cool technology behind it also. The world of streaming music, which is now like the way folks basically listen to music in America, is super fractured. So there's Apple Music and there's uh, SoundCloud and there's Spotify. And so the technology behind Symbol is we wrote an algorithm that matched together all of those libraries. Caitlin, if you share, you know, an Anderson Pack song from Apple Music and I hit play on it and I'm a Spotify user, it just plays from Spotify for me. So that kind of speaks to kind of the larger vision, I think, of what Symbol's really about, which is help folks connect over songs regardless of what else might be dividing them. We've talked a lot about Last FM because yes. that was just oh, so big. I still use it. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was just for coming in college. It was like that was the thing that we used. Back then, you downloaded a lot of free stuff. Mm-hmm. Streaming wasn't a thing. So scrabbling was yeah. relatively easy because you had like just your library on your computer or whatever. Whereas now it's not as easy because like you mentioned, the fractured streaming services. So right. that's cool that you guys have done that. For sure. This is such like a boring statement to make, but uh, music has changed so fundamentally in the last 20 years and it's gone through so many specific changes, you know. I mean, it went from being like a physical object, you know, s- something that you needed to like drive to Tower Records and buy, mm-hmm. to being data that was largely pirated and then broken up into all these different streams, you know, in one case it's a uh, sort of specific files. In one case, it's like a a radio stream to now where it's essentially something that you don't even own. You just pay for access to. I mean, there is still a Last.fm integration to Spotify, but you're right. I mean, now that we're not based on a a file system anymore where folks have locally stored music, like how's Scrobbling supposed to work? Yeah. I loved it though. I, oh, I, mean, I mean, I like would check my page and stuff. I know. Yeah. It was, I met people through Last FM. Really? Yeah. Like, actually, a lot of my friends met other people through Last FM. Too. That is so cool. So for me, I love. We're talking in this episode specifically about the friend feed. Oh my god, so much in to Spotify, say which is so fun for me. I get all of my music recommendations without having to ask for them. And then, like, I also get to troll people and be like, "What right. the fuck are you doing? Where are you?" <laughs> but like, my friend James will text me when, like, at a random hour and be like still still bumping that Jack's Mannequin album or something and it's like it's fun it's like fun to be able to like snoop on people in that way you can right. also like I talked to a girl who refused to be interviewed on the podcast oh. due to anxiety but she was like yeah I just like anytime my friends are going through a breakup I just watch the sidebar and then mm. steal their breakup playlist <laughs> um, or whatever. But So, so she's like, a hoarder of breakup playlists? Yeah, she just like <laughs> takes them from That's people amazing. without their knowledge. 
but it's like sad that that's the only social aspect of Spotify now. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, if you if you look at Spotify, they've scrolled back so much of what they've done in terms of building social features. You remember a year or so ago, they had a DM tool, mm-hmm. which is just gone now. It's a really interesting problem. And I think it's the kind of problem that they're going to revisit. I think they have to. If you look at just from like a business standpoint, it used to be that these streaming services were differentiated based on their libraries, right? So like Apple Music had the Beatles, you know, and Taylor Swift was very selective about where she would put her stuff. Prince and Beyonce and Jay-Z only on title. But the last few years, we've approached parody. I mean, the, the, the more money is in streaming, the more artists are like, our music has to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so these services can't compete based on what they have anymore. It's not like Netflix and Hulu and HBO Go, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know that it'll ever be. We were talking about Spotify going back to social stuff. How do you think they should do that? Well, so I ha- this is like my big theory picture about, about the streaming business, is that I think that the more people buy streaming subscriptions, the more money, basically, that's in the streaming industry, the more artists are going to realize that like their music has to be everywhere. Why miss out on the millions of people who use Spotify and just be on Apple Music, right? And also, just as a footnote to that, the payouts that go out to artists are, to some extent, a function of the size of the pot, you know, how many people are paying into these streaming services. So I think they're going to kind of be like grocery stores, you know, like you buy Frosted Flakes at Dwayne Reed and you can buy buy Frosted Flakes at um, Whole Foods. I know Dwayne Reed isn't a grocery store, but... They sell Frosted Flakes. There you go. That's the point. So I think that like it's always been, it's not going to be about the inventory, right? It's going to be about the experience. So if the goal is to be a monopolistic streaming service, which, I mean, we can question the merits of that goal. But if the goal is that, look around and and think about what companies on the internet have succeeded at becoming monopolies. And my theory is uh, that Facebook is a pretty interesting company to look at. Like, Mm -hmm. why is there no more Friendster? Or why is there not really any more MySpace? I kind of think about it like if you were going out on a Friday night and like a hundred of your friends were at one party and like four of them were at another party, you'd probably go to the one where a hundred of your friends are at, right? I think inherently social tools, they, they create kind of like a monoculture. And Spotify has this interesting head start, right? They have more subscribers than Apple Music, at least for now. So they can, for a brief period of time, they can make the case that like, if you feel like most of your friends are on Spotify and you're on Apple Music, if there's like a social experience that's like, you know, your friends are talking to one another there and it's producing memes or whatever and interesting, funny stuff is happening and celebrities are talking, you might leave the other party and, and go to the, the Spotify party. It's interesting because we did an episode about Venmo and oh, yeah. their social feed. Listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah, and their whole thing was like, well, we actually created the social feed because it helped us market. Like, if you see your friends using Venmo, right. you're, you instinctively think, oh, my friends use Venmo, I should be on Venmo. Like, right. there's people on it. So you feel like the social feed is actually good from a marketing standpoint for Spotify. Like, that's why they should invest in it. For sure. I mean, I think, like, um, it's almost like anything. It's like, it, not to be too self-referential, but I loved you guys' episode about Instagram. You know, so why is there only one Instagram? It's not like it's an idea that couldn't be replicated. But why should it be replicated, right? I mean, everybody's there already. Why make another one? I mean, the thing that makes Instagram great is that everybody's there. You know, it's not necessarily... Uh, that there's something magical about how the likes work or how you upload the photos. I mean, I'm sure that helped get a head start, but it's because that's where stuff's happening. 
Um, and I think if, if Spotify, I, I honestly think it wouldn't even be that hard to build, you know? Spotify right now opens up to this, um, you know, feature section. It's like, this is the record that's out today, and here's our recommendation for a playlist for you, and all of that, wh why does that matter to you? It matters to you because, oh, like, I, I listened to the Dixie Chicks, and they said I should listen to another record by the Dixie Chicks. That's like a one-to-one -one nice personal recommendation, but it doesn't have any of the power of being like, all my friends are checking this thing out. Right, so you talk about the social feed, right? Yeah. It's such a powerful way to sort of, and, and I think a sort of an undercooked, underrealized way to have that other thing. Like I remember when uh, the Kendrick Lamar record Untitled Unmastered came out. Do you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. I think it was 2016 also. Yeah. So we were opening Symbol up that morning and started to scroll through my feed. Everything was green. <laughs> you know, it was the that, whole like really ugly, ugly. like army green. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like I was in bed. I remember thinking, like I have to listen to this before I get to the office because otherwise I'm going to feel like an idiot. Like my friends will all be talking about it, and like it's clearly important. It clearly matters. Yeah. So like that peer pressure, that social power, is nowhere on Spotify. And I, I personally think that's what's going to win streaming. Do you think users want this? Great question. If you think about the history of, like, air quotes, social music, it's littered with companies that didn't figure it out, right? Symbol, you know what I mean? Uh, this is my jam, perfect example. Twitter, hashtag music, right? Perfect example. People have tried this question again and again. How do you build an experience around sharing music? So on one hand, you can look at this question. You can say, this must mean it's not going to work, right? But on the other hand, if you go to like the trending topics on Twitter anytime, guaranteed like a third of them are music related, right? It's like happy birthday Harry Styles, it's like the <laughs> BBMAs, it's like always something, right? Um, or if you look at the list of the top like 100 followed people on Instagram, such a sizable percentage of those people are, are mus musicians. If you go to your like Instagram stories, your Snapchat stories at any given time, guaranteed there are just screenshots of like what people are now playing in it constantly. So like music actually is everywhere in, in social networking. I just think that there hasn't quite been the combination of a really fun experience where people feel excited to share what they're really digging on that's also listenable. I think that that combination of things in my opinion, could crack the nut there. So Spotify does this thing now where it's like, if you take a screenshot, oh, it just went away. Oh, if you yes. take a screenshot, it automatically is like, are you trying to share this? This is going back to what you were saying, where like Spotify knows people care about sharing music. Right. Mm -hmm. But they also realize that you're not all on the same app. Like, I don't use Messenger, but I've, right. I've Messenger is wildly popular. Wild, so people yeah. are on it. So it's offering you the places you could want to share that isn't just a text message right. or something. Or it can be a text message, but you yeah. get to decide. Did they ever explain why they got rid of like the DM feature? Well, the people I've spoken to at Spotify have had kind of mixed responses to that question. Some of them said that they felt like this was a problem that Spotify didn't need to solve, You know, that, that messaging was being solved by other companies and that they should just integrate with other folks. But I think an, a kind of a larger point that I've heard from folks in there is that they, they're not sure what the social experience for that company should be. Like, they want to build something, you know? They, they want something to work. They just don't know what will work. And uh, again, I think if you, if you it's, it's this odd thing where if, if you look around at folks who have tried to build dedicated social music experiences, there's no 60 million user app out there, right? 
But in the same breath, if you look at any successful social network, it's like so much of what's going on there is music. I think they just don't know what the strategy is, really. Do you just feel like it's the design of these products that doesn't make them work? Like, what have you learned from your experiences? What do you think is something that people need to realize about designing products like this? Well, that's a great question. I've learned a lot about it. And I I can offer some ideas that are kind of critiques about how Spotify's experience is. But I also have, I think, a kind of a larger idea, which I think is really important. So let let me start with the second one, just because I think it's going to underpin some of my opinions about this, which... Uh, is, so again, going back to sort of the historical view of music, until 2016, which was the first year where streaming services were the number one way that Americans paid for music, there was never a time where it was easy and legal to send someone a song, right? I mean, I could make you a mixtape, but that doesn't work for hundreds of millions, billions of people, right? Or once I got MP3s, they were DRM protected and you know, I'd buy it on iTunes and I need to put in my iTunes password for it or I'd have to like rip it from somewhere and then I was like illegally sending someone a song and no one would sanction that. Yeah. So it wasn't until 2016 where it started to be the case that most people were paying for these streaming services. But the problem still was though that streaming is a plurality. So at the end of 2016, sorry my number is a little bit older, but at the end of 2016 uh, there were like 100 million global streaming subscribers and I think like 43% of them were on Spotify. And that was the biggest share, right? So the biggest streaming company in the world had a minority share of all subscribers. So what does that mean? If Beyonce, right, wants to release a new single, and she goes onto her Twitter, and she's got like 100 million Twitter followers, there's no streaming option that she can choose where all of her followers can listen to that song, right? Even if she chooses YouTube, like, that's like the worst option in terms of her, her getting paid, you know? So it's, I think, until there is either one service that most people use or uh, that there is sort of a way to bridge across services. I just don't think that, you know, social music will really be feasible at at a global scale. It'd be like if we spoke three different languages, the three of us. We couldn't socialize, right? So I think that's a really important thing. I think if it's it's not sort of uh, reliable to share songs with people, then people won't share songs exactly in that way. Or they'll find kind of a janky workaround. In terms of Spotify in particular, I think that um, you're talking about the, f- the feed on the side of the thing. Like, isn't it so silly that, like, I can't even hit like? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't. And the thing about from Spotify's perspective, if everybody on Spotify was just hitting like, and then I was getting a notification on my phone that Caitlin liked my song, I would open Spotify up. And then we talk about something. Right, yeah. It also, like, doesn't feel social. It feels creepy. Like, if I see a friend listening to an album and I'm like, oh, I I meant to check that out, I don't want to start listening to it right away because I don't want them to see. Yeah, like you're creeping on them or something. Yeah, (laughs) so I'm like, I got to remember to go back to that and listen to that, like, tomorrow. Yes, Or something. Like, it doesn't feel like a social activity. Yeah, so, and I think that that's, like, that's just, like, fundamental to that experience, you know? I just think that there are ways that you can rework that and to... kind of change the experience a little bit to make people a little bit more aware that listening is sharing because they've already done that with that feed and then make cool ways for folks to notify one another of what's going on um and you can take it deeper than that and i also think one of the coolest things is like uh again like that example of uh of opening up symbol and seeing everybody listening to kendrick that was so powerful for me you know mm-hmm. or like again you know like a record comes out remember to pimp a butterfly came out and I'm thinking like so Kendrick specific here, but he's kind of culture. So yeah. <laughs> um, I remember it came out and then I was on Twitter and then 
the album, the runtime of the album is like 70 minutes or something. And less than 70 minutes after the album came out, people were like, it's a classic, like it's perfect album. Like you're not even done with the album yet, you know? Yeah. But like the, list, the, the collective listening experience drove so many people to socialize around it. I think that the proof is just in the pudding with that, you know, like yeah. that pe- people are maybe there isn't a great outlet for them yet, but people are driven to to, to talk about that. Talk well, about listening music. parties are definitely a huge thing in mm. like like Tumblr fan communities, mm. like Harry Styles listening parties right. and like whatever Justin Bieber listening parties, which are usually just like people trying to like boost streams because sure. they're like. I love Harry. I need him to get a number one single, right. which he hasn't yet. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess, kind of what you were talking about with, like, music is always on Twitter. Like, right. Symbol was stream streaming service agnostic. Right. So why do you think it didn't work? Well, so I think that you face sort of a multitude of challenges when you start a new social network, especially in, in 2018, right? So one of the big ones is that, like, the business proposition of Facebook is that it is the social network, right? Everybody's there already. Two billion people are there. So it's not necessarily competitive to start with the premise of we're going to build a social network that, that already exists. And yet the value that a social network has, in my opinion, again, is, is from who's on it. You know, Instagram is great because everybody's there. So we face these sort of interesting dynamics where we were able to build this like fabulous community of people who wanted to get to a place where they could share their favorite songs and connect with people who like similar stuff. But kind of scaling past that, you know, and getting folks who were maybe more casually interested in music proved to be really challenging, you know. I think in a lot of cases, either they they were not as deeply passionate about music to download a new app, you know, or on the other hand, uh, perhaps they kind of felt like, you know, why do I need a a new social graph in my life? I would say that I truly believe that somebody's going to fix this problem. I think that, that, and it's only going to be a matter of time. As more of us buy these subscriptions and they continue to be built uh, with services that have open APIs, I think, you know, either a big company like Twitter or Facebook will make like an amazing share song integration and then those services will be the social networks for music or the streaming services themselves will build incredible social experiences. But uh, the advice that I would give to the next person who works on this is every great app, every great tool has to start from a place of like real need, you know, like what's the thing I have to do? You know, in Symbol's case, the thing that that pushed us towards the successes that we had was the feeling of like, I just heard a song that I love and I like need to share it. And I think we would have been a lot more successful if the people that you needed to share with, that group of people were maybe a little bit larger. That's like a chicken and the egg type problem, right? Yeah. I'm like thinking through this because I'm like, well... All right, so back when scrabbling was a big thing, yeah. okay, let's say the, the before streaming era, I feel like scrabbling was such a big deal because the way you discover music, at least like personally, was like Pitchfork, for example. Right. Uh, and then blogs, like music blogs. Yeah. And then it was it was work, and Caitlin has written like a lot about this, but it was work to find these recommendations. Right. And so I feel like the, the social function did give you a need. It filled a need where you were like, I need to learn about new things because right. I don't literally don't know. <laughs> and now the algorithm yes. fills that need. Right. Where now, you know, you're bringing up Kendrick, and it's like, yeah, Kendrick is the discussion. Beyonce is the discussion. SZA's the, like, there are these artists that are the discussion, and then there's everyone else who maybe you're you feel like the algorithm algorithm fills the need to discover them. Right. I think that's so true. I think for so many people, 
music is just like a part of their life, you know? It's what they do while they cook or while they work or something. And they have music they love, you know, but it's it's not music discovery as a concept maybe isn't so central. It's a, not, not a core problem to their lives. That being said, I think everybody is thrilled by the experience of hearing something new that they love, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also think that, again, th- there's this sort of cultural vector, you know, to music, which is it's so relevant, you know, it's so important to what people talk about uh, and uh, how people connect with one another. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. The algorithm has made it a lot easier to consume music, but I don't necessarily know that it has made music itself more important in people's lives. And I think that's what the power of social music really is, you know. It sort of describes why you care, you know, not whether you like it, but why it matters. We're back. We talked to Charlie. What a doll. Charlie is the nicest person. I've only met him twice, so perhaps not. I met him once, just now. And I'm like, (laughs) he's awesome. I love Charlie. Come back, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie's great. Charlie, when I went to get him from the elevators, the first thing he said was, I listened to the Dixie Chicks record you were talking about and it's the best record of all time and oh I was like oh my god <laughs> that's so, so generous of you <laughs> alright well we don't just love Charlie for his heart we love him for his ideas too mm-hmm. and that was a really great discussion I feel for Symbol and I think he has learned from the experience it sounds like he has some concrete ideas about what companies in the future should do yeah here's my thing though okay. this is my butt Okay. and I don't think we really got into this but And now I'm going to do it where he cannot defend himself. But I think, you know, Charlie keeps hitting on this idea of like, okay, people are talking about music. It's trending topics on Twitter. Some of the most followed Instagram people are musicians. Mm -hmm. In his mind, he's like, okay, that means people care about music, which means music should be a thing that is able to propel a social media a social platform to stardom. Right. Right. And I just disagree with that. I think that caring about what Beyonce wears to the Grammys or seeing her babies or finding out who Selena Gomez is dating is different than seeing what you're listening to today. Sure. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Musicians are just seemingly better at being celebrities than most other types of people. So you will talk about them a lot. And that's not the same thing as like you wanting to listen to whichever like band I'm on this week. Right. I think you got him there. But Thank I also, you. <laughs> I also Check think mate. He had some good suggestions for Spotify, though. Like, I totally agree that the, the activity feed would be so much better if, for one, you could access it in mobile. Mm-hmm. For two, of you could engage with it in some way. I think if Spotify had a more robust, like, profile section, that would be interesting. If I could, like, pin songs to my profile or, like, pin playlists or write more in there. Like, I think there's lots of ways that they could be investing in social that they're not. And, like, yeah. maybe they could be the ones to crack it. They just don't seem to feel like it. I mean, they got rid of their messaging app for no reason. Maybe they're just so busy trying to stay at the top music streaming that they just don't have time to dedicate Mm -hmm. to social platforms. Yeah. They got to take a cue from Nir Eyal, who we interviewed before, where he gave us all the tips for how to get people hooked on their apps. Yeah. So Spotify, once again, our email is available. We're more than happy 
to hit up our old pal near. Spotify doesn't you really have addicted. any notifications. Maybe that's, that's their true. issue. Push notifications, another big topic. Yeah. Anyway, but I do think, you know, Charlie did, he did say, like, you got to be careful. You got to make sure when you're building something that it's something people actually need and want badly. Well, and that's where I was sort of like, yeah, like when I cared a lot about Last FM, I was getting my recommendations through friends. That was that, they were my algorithm, and that's exactly what your piece was about. More or less. And they were the ones that gave me taste. Music mm-hmm. bloggers also. But the, the bloggers of the old days are different than us. I had to seek them out. I don't even know what happened to those people anymore. I hope they're still alive. Oh, my uh, God. They were like random people in Texas, I remember. Anyway, so that's how I found my music recommendations. I had to go through Last FM and other places. Mm-hmm. Now, truly, I'm just like, oh, a robot did it for me. Yeah. Thanks, robot. Great. So I guess like we got some answers. We have some suggestions, but really nothing's going to change right now because Caitlin and I didn't build an app. My idea is that I can be like, Ashley, ping you in, in Spotify. I miss you. you. Want to listen to a playlist I made for you together right now? And then we do that. I love It's like sharing that. a pair of headphones on the train. I love far. that. Thanks. It's my idea. Somebody, ju- angel investors, anybody <laughs> listening? Listen, <laughs> Kayla and I have the podcast. We're open to side hustles. Oh, uh, yeah. Never met a side hustle I didn't like. <laughs> I could think of one. What? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, wrap this shit up. All right. That's a really happy note to end on, Caitlin. I'm so glad we left off on that very happy note. Me too. I'm so glad we didn't keep talking about something else that wasn't nice afterwards. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> All right. So as usual, you can reach us at buttonattheverge.com. That is our email. We are available to you. I don't know what you could use us for, but maybe we'll reply to you. Uh, Caitlin's on Twitter at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. Ashley is Ashley R. Carmen. On Twitter. On Twitter. And don't follow me on Instagram. Don't <laughs> You won't be able to because I'm private. As you know, as a listener of this podcast, because it comes up on every one episode. fucking thing you know as a listener of this podcast that <laughs> Ashley has a private Instagram. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. By the end of this podcast, nearly 10,000 new malware variants will have launched. Now AI can help protect your data from threats wherever it lives with IBM Security. Let's put smart to work. Learn more at ibm.com smart.